The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. We live in a matrix of lies in America and in the church. What is a matrix? It is the environment around which all kinds of things begin to shape and take place. And we're watching today as America rushes toward war and as America rushes toward a civil war. And as the church is powerless, hidden away in its refuge of lies, we are in one of the most critical times of Earth's history. There have been some great revolutions in time. The American Revolution, as we revolted against England, 1775 to 1783, that great American Revolution was formed and shaped, some say, by the Enlightenment, and yes, those ideas did have some impact. But I want to say that the American Revolution was shaped by great preaching. It prepared the way for the first great awakening in America that prepared the way in men's and women's hearts to rebel against Britain, against the British. It was a revolution that was conservative. It was a revolution that held a high moral value. It was a revolution that demanded the truth and natural law and the rule of God in the lives of men and women. On the other hand, another great revolution that took place was the French Revolution, 1789-1799, the French Revolution, encouraged greatly by the success of the American Revolution against the British, but the French Revolution was godless. Yes, it was a fight for freedom from Louis XVI. Yes, it was a fight for liberty but it was a godless liberty. And in that revolution, countless numbers of men and women and children were executed by the guillotine. Countless numbers of people lost their lives because of the bitterness in men's hearts. Now in America, we are having the moral fabric of this nation destroyed by lies. Those lies have formed a whole new understanding of what it means to be free. And it is an understanding that leads to civil war and to death, to the destruction of our freedoms, the destruction of a godly nation. We have been taught lies. This week, I'm going to talk about many of those lies. But just very quickly, we've been taught that our safety is found in big government. That is a lie. We have been taught that our safety is depending 
on the latest scientific theory. That is a lie. Because there are men and women controlling the media, the social media, the broadcast media, the publications. In fact, the New York Times has just come out with an article blaming the continuing pandemic, so-called, on conservative evangelical Christians because they're hesitant to take the vaccine, seeing that it is the possible opening of the door for what Christians call the mark of the beast and the coming of the Antichrist. As we face the reality of the destruction of our culture, of godliness, of holiness. The church has been swept by the lies and has brought into the church the world to be successful. And yet it has been spectacularly unsuccessful for the first time since numbers have been recorded. Less than 50% of Americans identify themselves with the church today. I remember just a few years ago when it was more than 70%. Millennials, particularly, are turning in mass against the church. Why is that so? Because they are recognizing there is no moral value in the entertainment. If I sound upset today, it's because I am. I am desperately concerned about what I see taking place in our nation. And it's causing me to fast and pray and cry aloud to the Lord. I am desperately concerned. And I know that America is in a transition. And we are facing many of the same choices we faced in the American Revolution and in the French Revolution. Will the changes that happen in America be godless? Or will they be conservative? That is, to preserve the foundation upon which this nation was built in its Constitution and its Bill of Rights. We have a government in power now that is totally against the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. We have a government in place that is revolutionary. And their brown shirts are burning Portland and Seattle, Chicago, and other major cities in America. Now, this fight is not new. This battle for righteousness is not new. It's just that in America, we've been asleep. It's time for America to wake up. It's time for you and for me to stop participating in our own destruction. It's time for us to choose wisely what banks we put our money with, what companies we do business with. It's time to look carefully at where they are placing themselves in this coming civil war. Where they place themselves with morality and Americanism, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Are they against the amendments of the Constitution? Do they say they're not really to be held on to? They are outdated? Old white men wrote the Constitution? No, come, 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 come. We don't want this revolution to win with anti-intellectualism, with false lying claims, 
So I come as a preacher of righteousness, a preacher of holiness, unashamed. Because I know that the preaching of Jonathan Edwards and others in the First Great Awakening created a media, created something in which freedom could grow, that liberty could prosper, that business could be successful, that built the most successful nation in the earth's history. I know the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true gospel of Jesus, will bring about a significant media in which America can become prosperous once more. And I know that by America turning as the French did to godlessness will result in much bloodshed in this nation. We do not want a repeat of the French Revolution in America in a civil war. I want to turn to a a passage, a story in Scripture. And then I want to go deeper with this question of what are the lies, the refuge of lies that we have leapt into as Americans? Where has this wicked notion of entitlement come from? And can we once more become reliant upon a holy God of heaven, upon the natural principles of free men? My rights do not come from a federal government. My rights come from a holy God. My freedom is not something given to me by a government. The government is for the people, not the people for the government. We find this story in Acts, the eighth chapter. Acts, the eighth chapter. It's a time of great persecution as this young man, Pharisee, Saul by name, begins to persecute the Christian church. We find in Acts 22 and Acts 26, his recounting how he would go from house to house and drag Christian families, men, women, and children, put them in prison and have them executed because they were followers of Jesus Christ. This persecution broke out against the church in its most fierce form in Jerusalem. And the people were scattered as the iron fist of persecution came down on the church. People moved. They ran. They quickly left. And they went to many cities. And in those cities, they began to preach the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is now among us and that Jesus is the head, the risen Lord. Philip, one of the deacons, went to a city in Samaria, and there he proclaimed, the Messiah has come. The crowds heard Philip, and they saw the miraculous signs as he was healing the sick, as he was causing evil spirits to come with shrieks out of people. Paralytics and cripples were healed. Acts 8, verse 8. So there was great joy in that city. There was great joy in that city. This is a a wicked pagan city, but suddenly great joy fills the city. There is a euphoric emotional response to this Messiah 
who with such compassion and such love would come with healing in his wings and in the name of Jesus restore the cripples and the blind and the paralytics and cast out the demon spirits. Here we saw the great contest between good and evil. We must see that contest work its way out in America. But the church is not ready to receive the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, great joy will not fill America again. Now, there was a man in the city. His name was Simon. He was a sorcerer. He was very boastful about his greatness. And people both rich and poor paid a great deal of attention to Simon because they'd never seen this kind of demonic magic work so successfully. But as Philip preached the gospel and as he performed in the name of Jesus these wonderful miracles, many people Listen to the good news that they could be released from their sins. They could be released from the bondages. They could be released from the addictions, the sexual uncleanness. They could be released from bitterness and anger. They could be released from disease and evil spirits. Men and women rushed to be baptized by Philip. Simon, the scripture tells us, also believed in Jesus and the kingdom of God, and he too was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere. He watched as these miracles were performed. Now, word reached Jerusalem that Samaria had accepted the word of God, and they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. They had been baptized, but they had not received the Holy Spirit. Now, please, let me make a very specific point to some of you. You received Jesus Christ. Your life was changed. You walked in the way of Christ. You were baptized, but you did not receive the Holy Spirit. And the evidence that you have not received the Holy Spirit is that you have no power to win the loss to Christ. And you are fruitless, except in your own personal piety, because you were able to accept Christ and have him totally transform your life. You were baptized in water, but you've not been baptized in Pentecost power. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit The normal life of the Christian is to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because in that, Christians have the strength and the power to withstand the lies of the devil. Pardon me. We must have that baptism to withstand the lies of Satan. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. He's asking for the Holy Spirit to become magic. Sorcery. He thinks he simply found a more powerful form of sorcery that he can control. Peter answered, This is 
Acts 8, verse 20, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. The Holy Spirit's coming is a gift of God. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. It's a gift. Peter said, you have no part, no share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Full of bitterness and captive to sin. This is the condition of those who believe the lies and dwell in the refuge of lies. It's a hard place to live in the darkness of lies. If it sounds good. Now I confess to you, I have lived in a refuge of lies. And the Lord has called me out. And I've cried out to God and said, Oh God, identify every lie that I believed in and break its power in my heart. Reveal it to me. And one of the lies that he revealed to me was that at seminary and then later in further training, I was taught a lie that was a very comfortable lie for me to believe. And that lie was that feelings just are. They aren't right and they aren't wrong. Now, this lie goes this way. You can't help what you feel. You just feel whatever you feel. And feelings don't have value. It's what you decide to do with your feelings that you need to be careful with. Well, the whole premise is a lie. According to the scriptures, feelings have moral value or an absence of moral value, thus being evil. I'll give you specific examples. Jesus said, if you are angry with your brother, you have already committed murder. So in the teachings of Jesus... Rage and anger against someone is a sinful act on my part. He also said, if you look at a woman lustfully, you have already committed adultery with her in your heart. And you are guilty of adultery. You are sexually unclean. Now, we recognize that Jesus takes the law much deeper than the Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, it's simply do not kill. But Jesus applies it very sharply to our feelings. There are other feelings. Resentment, bitterness, jealousy. There are other feelings that are also very destructive. Discouragement, hopelessness, depression, fear. These are all feelings. They have many components, and some of these are are mixed together with a number of different feelings all coming together in a big ball. They're connected like a spider web. But these feelings have moral values. And so the question is is not, what do I do with my feelings? Because I don't like what I'm feeling. Well, the question is, Where did that feeling come from? It came from the inner being of our soul or even came out of our spirit. So if I'm feeling rage and anger, judgment, bitterness toward a brother or a sister, 
toward a mother or a father. If I'm feeling fear, it means I'm expecting punishment and I've not yet been made perfect in love. And so in this environment, all kinds of evil can grow. But if I take that element of anger and say, where is this anger coming from, Lord? I'm asking you to deal with me on my anger, and I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you remove it from my being and absolutely cleanse me from this. I can remember, and I'm using this example of anger because I can remember in my life, as a young man, I was filled with rage because of the treatment I received from my brothers. They were older and bigger than me. I swore that when I grew up, I would get revenge. Revenge was very much a part of my feelings as I grew up. And then I went to high school, to a boarding school, and I was bullied by some students who were much stronger than I was, by some guys who scorned me and rage built in my heart. So I would fight at the drop of a hat. You look wrong at me, and I was in a fight with you. And it didn't matter if I got beat up. I would surely get some blows in on you. Well, I knew it was wrong. And I remember the day just as clearly as if it were yesterday, sitting, listening to the gospel being preached. And I said, Jesus, I'm giving you my anger, and I'm asking you to set me free. I don't want this anger in my life. And I want to tell you, he removed anger from my spirit. He will remove whatever it is that you have taken refuge in. Feelings are usually a refuge. It's where we go to feel better about ourselves. It's where we go to nurse our wounds. The answer is Jesus. We have lies that we have believed And they have wrecked havoc in our lives. And now they're wrecking havoc in the life of the church and in the life of the nation. This man could not participate in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, even though he was baptized in water. He was converted to Jesus Christ. He is later known in extra-biblical history as a great heretic who never repented of his bitterness and was always a captive to sin. Full of bitterness, that's a feeling. Captive to sin, actions, they go together, hand in hand. So part of what's going to have to happen, we're going to have to go through a searching process of our hearts that we allow the Holy Spirit to do in us. That we allow the Holy Spirit and invite the Holy Spirit to expose the lies that we have believed that have created the fear in our hearts. I would say that the number one struggle I've had in my life has to do with fear. Being afraid. Not believing the word of God that he cares for me and put my trust in him. Fearful that I will not have the financial resources. Fearful that my health will fail. Fearful that I will not be loved fearful that I will be considered a loser, fear that no one will respect me, all kinds of fear. They're all lies. 
and I will not take refuge in a lie. The Lord Jesus is my success. The Lord Jesus is the love of my heart. The Lord Jesus, it is in him that all the secrets of wisdom are found. It is in Jesus and in him alone that safety is found. And he removes fear from our hearts. I am no longer in my life driven by fear. Do you know what a glorious triumph that is for me? Oh, I know what it is to be rejected. I am a man of sorrows, even as Jesus, for much bigger reasons, was a man of sorrows. I know what it means to be rejected and cast aside. But my security is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I will not turn to a refuge of lies to feel secure. This man could not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's no record that Peter or John placed their hands on this man to receive the Spirit because they could see in the Spirit his bitter heart and they could see that he had not left his sin even though he was baptized in the name of Jesus. He still walked in his arrogance. He still walked in his in his refuge of lies, in his sorcery. He refused to let his heart be searched by Almighty God. Now I'm introducing today the topic of the week, which will be a refuge of lies and the coming power of the Holy Spirit. You understand, we are rushing toward the final opening of the seals of Revelation. We're going to talk about that this week. We see coming in the near future, Wormwood, or that great asteroid out of the sky that will totally change everything and bring about the coming of Jesus Christ in great power. The refuge of lies must be broken to prepare our hearts to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the power that comes with the Holy Spirit that we could minister to our brothers and sisters, our family, our friends, in the name of Jesus, and have conversions result, have total transformations of lives result. But the refuge of lies must be identified and broken. And if we refuse and instead find our comfort in the lies of our modern culture, in the lies of our technology, in the promises of science we will have a civil war like the French Revolution and Americans will die by the hundreds of thousands and war will come upon our nation and we will be rent from one end to the other until America is destroyed. I am desperately concerned about you. And I want you to choose to open your heart and begin to carefully identify the lies that you have walked in. Oh, it doesn't matter if I, if I go and see this movie, it doesn't matter if I lie about this. It doesn't matter if I steal that. It doesn't matter if I go live with a person I'm not married to. Oh, it doesn't matter if I'm bitter and angry. I have a right to be angry. I'm going to teach them a lesson. Do you understand? 
I'm going to do what I have to do so I can go on the cruise. I'm going to do what I have to do so I can be successful. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make sure my life is covered and I have the money. Really? You live in a multifaceted refuge of lies. And the end will be destruction for you and those you influence. We must open our hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to begin a searching process of our hearts and our lives to uncover the bitterness and the life of bondage and sin so that the baptism of the Holy Spirit can come upon us and we can be useful in the work of the kingdom of God. I hope, I pray, that you will begin to humble your heart today and say, Lord, you are the majesty of heaven. You dwell in eternal light. You are unlike me. I glorify your name. I worship you, Jesus. Would you come in mighty power and begin to cleanse me and wash me? Will you make of me, Jesus, an overcomer? Revelation, the 19th chapter. A mighty throng in heaven. They are before the throne of God. A voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. And then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like peals of thunder and shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him the glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, do not do it, I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, which means the righteous acts of the saints, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings. Lord of Lords. Oh, my brother, my sister. We must pray that we can break through this matrix of lies that has held a captive in America. 
that has caused the church to turn aside from holiness and seek after worldly success and worldly acclaim. And you too must cry out to God and ask for those white robes and ask what he would have you do. You must ask for the baptism of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit baptism, because without that you can do nothing. Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. John 15. I've proven that in my life. And I now wait for the refuge of lies to be fully exposed in my own heart, in my own life, and in the life of the church, because a great change is coming. The Lord, I don't believe, is going to allow America to go the way of the French Revolution into utter godlessness, wickedness, murder, I believe instead the powers of darkness are going to be repulsed and turned back at the gate as Christians stand for righteousness and holiness and begin to act with integrity before Almighty God. And he will pour out his Holy Spirit in incredible power for these final events of earth's history. And the saints of God are going to put on the white robes of righteousness. They're going to toss away the lie that you can't leave your sin. That's such a wicked lie of the devil. These lies must be exposed and cast off in the name of Jesus. We must read the scriptures for what they say, not what people say they say. So my brother, my sister, will you open your heart today that every lie could be exposed? Will you open your heart to receive the truth? The truth is word of God. Truth is Jesus himself. He is truth. We don't receive the truth of Jesus. We receive Jesus. He is personally the truth. He is personally the way, the truth, and the life. That's what he said. Let's pray. Almighty God, in the last minutes of this broadcast today, I am pleading with you, Almighty God, that you would send forth Jesus, the truth, to our hearts. I'm asking, Jesus, would you reveal every lie we have bought into, either in ignorance or in lust and the wickedness of our own human hearts. I'm asking Jesus, would you expose the lies of humanism? Would you expose the lies of a church given to institutionalism and culture rather than to your precious body? I'm asking, Jesus, that you would come and begin to move in the heart of every pastor, giving that pastor a backbone to stand up for the truth, for you, Jesus, and to cast off the ways of this culture, the ways of propaganda, the ways of social media to influence for darkness and homogenization. Lord, we live in a church that is so homogenized with the world that we can't separate it out. Lord, we've been drinking smoothies of lies mixed with a tiny bit of truth. Lord, I'm asking, please, 
please, will you come in your power and give us eyesight to understand the difference between the lie and the truth? For the devil is the liar, and you are the truth. Lord, let let the difference between lie and truth be stark and real. Break the confusion that the devil has brought in to try to trick us. Lord, would you give absolute clarity to your people today? Would you draw us to read the scriptures and to cry aloud before your throne? Almighty God, I put my trust in you. I declare the blood of Jesus Christ over every person listening to this broadcast. Thank you, Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, we're out of time for the broadcast today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I pray this has been a helpful broadcast to you. We'll go much further down this road tomorrow talking about the refuge of lies and asking the Holy Spirit to uncover them in our hearts to make plain to us the path of righteousness, the path of freedom and joy in Jesus. If you know that this broadcast needs to continue, would you go online, nationalprayerchapel.com, and would you help support this broadcast? Or would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. My brother, my sister, I'm praying for you. I love you. I'd like to meet you in person. I pray soon we can. I'll talk to you soon.